One of the sad realities in America today is that thousands of churches that exist right now will close their doors this year. That there are hundreds of churches last Sunday gathering together, and this Sunday their doors are closed and those same people are scattered around the country because their church doesn't exist any longer. That's sad to me. And I think there's probably lots of reasons why that's true, but one of the things that is really true about churches is this topic of love. The love that Ron and Sue just talked about is unique to Christ. And here's how I'll put this. The love of Christ the love of Christ's teaching, the love of the truth of Christ, the love of the family of God is unique. And it's God's design that churches center around the love of Christ and the teaching of Christ and the love of one another with a commitment to take the love of Christ and the teaching of Christ and not hold it to ourselves, but share it with the people outside of the church. I think what separates thriving churches from declining churches is often a commitment to sharing the love and the truth of Christ outside their own inside community. God has designed the church to be a place that shares and moves his love beyond the walls of the gathering to the community outside. And it's sad to me today that there are church families that are gathered right now that won't be gathering next week because they're unwilling to share the love outside their building. We started talking about this kingdom movement last week with you, and if you weren't here last week, you should really go online and watch last week's talk, because what God has for us as a church family is something bigger than we can accomplish on ourselves, anything that we could take glory or credit for, but He wants us to move the kingdom forward and give more people access to Jesus. This kingdom movement is about expanding the love and the truth of Christ beyond the walls of faith church. And it looks like a bunch of different projects. Hopefully you grabbed a kingdom movement guide last week, but if you didn't, grab one this week because it's going to give you lots of details about what we believe as a leadership team God wants us to do to press the truth and the love of Christ beyond the walls of this building to our community. Things that are on our minds and hearts to do, and, and it's big, and it's going to take a lot of work, and it's going to take a lot of prayer, and it's going to take a lot of money. We shared with you last week that it's going to cost our church family, we believe, $8 million to move into this kingdom movement. That's a lot of money. But I told you, here's the sales pitch. Are you ready? There's no secret. The sales pitch is this. It's just you and me talking to God and saying, God, what would you have us do? Because in God's kingdom, small beginnings start large movements. So we underestimate sometimes what it's like to talk to God about things, small conversations we have with God, back and forth where we share with Him things we're thinking and feeling. But those small conversations 
can lead to large movements, that as we hear from God and obey God and step out and follow God, those small acts of obedience can lead to large movements as we commit whatever resources we have to advance his kingdom those small things can lead to large movements i want you to turn in your bibles to luke chapter 8 luke chapter 8 we're going to look at another parable that jesus is going to tell about the kingdom of god and learn something about the character of god and his kingdom that might just surprise us, and I'm encouraged this week that so many of you are gathered in your small groups, in people's homes around the valley, where you're talking about kingdom movement, and don't ever underestimate those small conversations that take place in small gatherings throughout the valley, that those small conversations are actually what lead to growth and advancement of God's kingdom in your heart that neglecting small conversations with other people around the Bible and around what God's doing is often what leads to the greatest growth in our lives. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is moving around from place to place. He's sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. Let's just pause for a moment and explain what this means. What is this good news? Remember, we're all born into the kingdom of darkness, that we're all sinful and shameful, and we have no hope within ourselves. No amount of religion gets me out of the kingdom of darkness and into God's kingdom. But only by faith in Jesus Christ do we have any hope that when I put my trust in Christ, I'm adopted into the family of God, and I'm a part of the kingdom of God forever. Jesus loves this kingdom, this family, so much that he starts walking around his region telling everyone about this good news. The 12 were with him, the 12 apostles were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. So Jesus has kind of got a posse with him. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So Jesus is traveling around the region, talking about the kingdom of God, and these rock star women who've had their lives changed by Jesus are using their own cash to fund this proclamation of the good news. Verse 4, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When Jesus said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear. Do you guys know any farmers? I grew up uh, working on a farm, and the farmers that I knew were smart and hardworking, and they never did anything 
without thinking through what they were doing. They were very deliberate, and they always wanted to maximize every motion, everything they did. They wanted to maximize their work to yield the greatest crop, but not the farmer that Jesus described. The farmer that Jesus described is just taking seeds and throwing them willy-nilly out into the ground. This farmer that Jesus describes doesn't sound very hardworking or, or efficient at all. I mean, this guy's taking seed and throwing it out. Some of the seed lands on a path that's going to be walked on and birds are going to grab it and eat it. Some of the seed is going to land among rocks. It's going to start to grow, but there's no place for roots. Some of it, this farmer's throwing seed into thorn bushes. The seedlings are going to start to grow and going to get choked out, and some of the seeds going to fall on good soil and start to grow and produce a crop. And Jesus says, whoever has hears, let them hear. He's trying to communicate something about the kingdom of God. And if you keep reading, which we're not going to do, but you could do this afternoon, if you keep reading in Luke chapter 8, Jesus describes to his disciples the type of people that he's talking about in this parable, the type of people and how they hear. And it would be easy to make the parable about us and about how we hear. But before you can get to how we hear, you have to stop and listen to what he is saying about this farmer, which is the primary teaching. What is he saying about God? Jesus, I believe, is the Son of God, and I think he's the farmer in this parable. And Jesus says in verse 11 that the seeds he is throwing out are the Word of God. He's distributing truth. He's this farmer that's traveling from village to village, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. But he doesn't sound very smart to me in this parable. He doesn't sound smart at all because he's tossing seed everywhere. Some of it's getting trampled, some of it's getting eaten by birds, some of it's in rocks, some of it's in thorns, some of it's on good soil and starts to yield a crop. What a terrible farmer Jesus is, based on my standards. Why is Jesus the farmer wasting the words of God? It seems to me that he's just distributing it, rocks and thorns and paths, and only some on good soil? Within our minds, within my kingdom, this seems wasteful. But in God's kingdom, love and truth is shared generously, not selectively. You see, we're all about efficiency. We're all about maximize. That's how we think in our modern American world. But Jesus is challenging us to think a little bit differently, and he's saying, wait, I'm walking from town to town, from village to village, and I'm sharing love, and I'm sharing truth. I'm throwing seeds, and it could look like I'm wasting. It could look like I should only plant in certain spots where I know it will grow, but instead Jesus is like, love, truth, love, truth love truth. He knows this will be the results. He knows there are people at hard hearts 
that won't respond. He knows that some will respond quickly and get super excited, but then fall away. He knows the work of the evil one. The farmer knows that he's throwing this love and truth out, and only with a small portion will there be a crop. But he wants the love and truth shared generously. 2 Peter 3.9 gives us a little window into understanding the heart of God. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So the heart of God, and I believe the heart of the farmer in this parable, is a patient heart that wants everyone in this world to hear and repent. Hear and repent to make a decision to turn and follow so he isn't selective with how he shares this news, this love. Instead, he is generous, sharing it every which way he can, not being concerned primarily about how it's received, but instead saying this good news will change the lives of people And I really think this gets at the heart of the difference between a thriving church and a declining church. You see, I so often believe that declining churches are selfish. They're always looking at themselves and going, how can we serve ourselves? We're a growing, thriving, not in numbers, but a growing, thriving church is constantly thinking, how do I serve other people? How do I be generous? And if we're going to be a church that is thriving, then the kingdom of God and moving it forward has to be front and center on our hearts and minds, that we look at the love that we've received and the truth that we know, and how do we apply it to other people and share it with other people, not keeping it for ourselves, because we believe that the love of God and the Word of God changes people, don't we? Don't we believe that it's the love of God and the truth of God that will change people, and yet we hoard it to ourselves? We hold on to it? The Bible makes it clear people are created in the image of God and caught in darkness, broken and lost. What will change anyone is not religion, it's not tradition, it's love and truth, grace and truth of Jesus Christ, that when I put my faith in that, that begins to change everything inside of me, and I'm a part of the kingdom. And as I'm a part of the kingdom, I can begin to grow and change and learn and mature. And as I grow and change and learn and mature, I commit myself to sharing that love and truth with other people. Did you know here in the valley there are 640,000 people? That's a lot of people, right? You're like, I know, I was at Hamilton Crossing on my way here, right? That's a lot of people. Half of these people describe themselves as irreligious. Half of the Lehigh Valley, which is actually the most growing population in the United States today. This group of people, they call themselves nons, agnostic, atheist, non-religious, no connection to God, and no desire to be connected to God, and no desire to be connected to anything that would look or smell like religion, which means they want nothing to do with us and what's happening in this moment right now. Should that matter? 
Does God care about half of the Lehigh Valley? I think so. I think he cares, and I think we can do something about this. And you know, this church historically, super fun little fact, back in the 60s and 70s, do you know what Faith Church was known as in the valley? We were known as the drive-in church of the Lehigh Valley. Have you been to a drive-in? Right? So people would drive onto this campus, they would stay in their car and turn the radio on and watch a preacher and musicians up on a stage as they stood and stayed inside their car and would sing and listen and learn. And the slogan, it was super catchy, ready for this really great marketing? Their slogan was, come as you are, stay in your car. Right? <laughs> super great. And so we want to be known. We're going to be bold about this. We want to be known as the online church of the Lehigh Valley. Come as you are, stay on your couch. Because... There's lots of reasons why people can't come. Right now, 400 people on average are watching our services streaming online every Sunday. And for lots of different reasons. I think of my friend Gene and Linda who can't physically get here on a Sunday. Hey ladies, you guys rock. Because they just can't get here. Or our missionary workers around the world who are tuning in to watch. But there's more people who just will never walk into a building and their first experience connection to Jesus is through the streaming online stuff or through our sermon during the week that's shared out in social media or Real Talk, our midweek teaching, the social media on Twitter and Facebook, these little snippets of truth that are engaging people who would never walk into a building. But we have to do more. We have to do more to engage more people, and we want to provide pastoral care to our online community. We have to increase some of the technology to do things better so that it sounds better and feels better. But we also want to provide opportunities for people who can't come to grow. So we're right now piloting online small groups that we're using to engage people and grow people who want to go deeper with Jesus but don't have the ability or are not yet ready to step foot on a campus. What a great privilege we have to use technology, but it costs money. And who would have thought that traffic on and off our property would become an issue? How many times have you got caught in the traffic on or off or not been able to find a parking space on our campus and this is becoming a thing that keeps people from having access to Jesus? So this kingdom movement is going to secure a new access road. Check out this graphic. On our southwest corner, there's another church, St. Anne's, and we're having great conversations with that church family and with Lower Mukunjee Township and our surrounding neighbors about creating another road off to a light on Lower Mukunjee and Church Lane to an ease traffic here onto our campus and give people access to Jesus and parking spaces. Check out this graphic. Right now we have 540 parking spaces. This kingdom movement will move from 540 to 840, adding 300 more parking spaces, a new driveway and lights so that people can see around at night. But one of the things that you can't see in this drawing is state and local officials are requiring us to put a half a million dollar underwater, no, underground water retention basin 
under one of our parking lots to mitigate the water from this campus. We can't add one parking spot or one shed on our campus without this half a million dollar improvement that you will never see. But that can't keep us from creating more access to Jesus. And it would be easy for you and for me to think, what a waste, more money on online technology. What a waste, more, more money on a road or a retention pond. But listen, kingdom movements start when we generously share this love and this truth with others and we're willing to sacrifice to ensure more people have access. You see, thriving churches look at these kinds of obstacles and say, we're not gonna let that keep us from sharing the love and the message of Christ. Because if one person, handfuls of people hear more about Jesus because we prayed and prioritized, is it not worth that? But if we wanna be a declining church, instead we'll think, well, what's in it for me? How does this movement help me? How does it serve me? That's what declining churches do. Instead, we'll be a thriving church that says, whatever obstacles there are to giving people access to Jesus, we will do what we can do to ensure these obstacles are removed. Last week, I gave you a homework assignment. I asked you to just start talking to God. This is the sales pitch. Here it is. Ask God, what's your kingdom move? Talk to him, because as you bring all of this to him, he's going to guide you and he's going to grow you. That if 100% of the people of Faith Church would just talk to God about this. I love that you're talking in your families. I love that you're talking in your small groups. And I know that many of you just immediately think, well, I don't really like this plan. And why are they doing it this way? And why are we doing it that way? And what's in it for me? But instead of thinking all of that and talking like that, can you take all of that right to God? God, this is what our leadership is saying we need to do. What's my part? As you talk to him, he's going to grow you. He's going to show you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. And whatever the results are, are in his hands. I'm psyched about it because as you talk to him about anything, he's going to grow your faith. As you listen to him and obey him, he's going to grow you, and he's going to expand the kingdom through you. We gave you lots of resources, but I just want to draw your attention to this one Kingdom Movement Commitment Card. I'm not asking for it back just yet, but I would draw your attention to it because inside there are lots of just practical questions and steps that you can take to just think about and process what your part in this kingdom move is. Faith Church, you know, our size, our resources, None of this is for us. We're not better than anyone. We're not greater than anyone. Not at all. But here's the deal. If we don't leverage what we have to serve the people who don't yet know Jesus, we are already declining. If this family doesn't see all that we have, our gifts and our abilities, our maturity, our resources, if we don't see everything we have as been given to us by God, leveraged to ensure other people have access to Jesus just like we have access to Jesus, then we are on the verge of decline. And when will these doors close? You see, it's not bigger is better It's not 
we've got to grow, so we build a brand. It's everything that's been entrusted to us here and now has been entrusted to us to advance the kingdom of God, which is sharing love and truth with the world. What's your part in that? Would you pray with me? God, thank you for loving us so much that Jesus came to earth and shared this love and your truth that we might be changed. Thank you for those who went before us to share this message, prayed and prioritized so that we could grow and learn. God, please take everything that we have, our individual hearts, our stories, our resources, our gifts. Take everything that we have as a family, our stories, our gifts, our resources, and help us to leverage all of this for others and for your glory. What you're calling us to is something that we could never take credit for, that we could never accomplish without you. Would you give us faith to trust you, to talk to you, to follow you, to obey you, to become like you, to the end that more people would be a part of your family and that you would be worshiped from every tribe and language, generation, forever. This is the goal of your kingdom, more glory to you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.